So anyways, we have a hockey podcast. We and do. And I think it's probably time for us to kick this into, I wouldn't say high gear. I don't think we're a high gear kind of podcast. We can kick it into gear. Yeah. 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 I think that works. Yeah. Try not to like let the transmission slip too hard. Or like the chain slip mm-hmm. for, our, for our Portland friends. We're going to kick it into gear like a, like a high schooler switching his first manual transmission. So we're going to ruin this. Thing. <laughs> All right. Well, so uh, let's hit the clutch into episode 63. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's right. It is episode 63 of the handsome hockey podcast. I am Jake sipping a beer across the table from me is Evan. And that and means we're going to talk about the Connecticut whale and lead off with women's hockey in general. PHF free agency is a new and wonderful world that has opened to everyone as long as you're a woman playing professional hockey or have been out as a trans woman for two plus years but Mm -hmm. i mean semantics am i right no (laughs) it's been a little slow in going but some really interesting headlines so far yeah we talked about michaela grant mentis michaela grant mentis signing with buffalo for a record 80k Uh, to bring her back to Buffalo from Toronto. Um, Other things that have started falling into place. um, The whale, they kind of came out of the gates hot, re-signing Abby Monroe, Kennedy Marchment, Taylor Gerard, and Emma Vlasic. Um, The Taylor Gerard and Kennedy Marchment contracts are both two-year deals, which is new this year. Uh, You can sign players to two-year deals now. So they really are like locking in their core for... yes the longest term possible i want to say long term but two i don't know two years i guess two <laughs> yeah. years counts as long term you either have it's a binary you either have a short-term deal or a long-term deal and the long-term deal is a short-term deal <laughs> <laughs> that almost turned into like yeah. old mcdonald for a second <laughs> <laughs> buffalo has been the most active uh, signing seven players one of the it, two interesting pieces one is that boston has yet to sign anybody however it is believed that they just haven't announced signings oh i see so they're on the lou lamorello train yeah we'll we'll <laughs> once they're wearing the jersey on the ice will announce the 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 signing um one breaking of the, we have signed team whole team team picture <laughs> yeah. um one of those currently thought to have signed but maybe has not yet signed people is ali thunstrom who the Which other is crazy it's crazy the that's part of the other big rumor is that the Minnesota Whitecaps have been lowballing folks and mm. pissing them off. Ooh, um, that's so, not good for business. No, no, not when your team was already kind of bad, but you had several really good players. But also, that's their job as the lone Midwestern franchise is to be like, oh, you'll you'll play for a little bit yeah, less, it, eh? Oh yeah, you you can go to a, a budget uh, grocery warehouse, okay? Just don't, just don't go to the new seasons or the Whole Foods. Eh? <laughs> that's they'll rob you blind. No, yeah, we don't have whole paychecks money here at the Minnesota Whitecaps. Are, we got, uh, we got, we can maybe send you to a Kroger. We can maybe send you to I don't know the farmers market. Have you ever been to a Whole Foods? Oh boy, their grapes are like five eighty nine a pound. That's <laughs> that's just ludicrous. Both Ali Thunstrom and Amanda Levier have reportedly been lowballed on their contract deals and this is one of the interesting kind of ways that the phf offseason is going to play out Mm -hmm. either we have this huge salary cap but teams are not going to even come close to that threshold or they're lowballing folks now because they think that bigger names will be available to them in the future. Mm-hmm. And so they're trying to keep some of that cash in reserve just in case some enormous name becomes available. I think it's more of like a, a an arrested development situation where like they don't have 
a paradigm really for these existing negotiations. So they're all going like, what could a banana cost? $10,000? And like rubbing their players the wrong way. There's definitely that aspect of it too. The other interesting aspect is the Minnesota Whitecaps are for sale technically right now. Oh, I And see. so there's this idea that they want to have a lower payroll yeah, in I've, order to be more attractive to buy. But I've been the, a part of a business doing that, and it's not fun. Well, at the same time, you may not have loon pads in the future, in which case, why even watch them? I mean, the loon pads are easily the most expensive part of that franchise. Uh, and should be for all time. Because also goalie pads in general are just fucking insane. So expensive. As Evan said earlier, there's been a, a relatively slow start to this. And so it's a long off season mm-hmm. and there is every single female hockey player right. in the world, technically, at their right. disposal. So 3.5 billion people. We have seen some of the big signings that have happened so far are players who were not formerly or are coming back to the PHF. Okay. Uh, some European players have been added to teams. And that is another trend that I think we might see going mm. forward is, you know, we can pay a little bit more now. Can we either attract some of this top American talent that's been playing overseas to come back? Okay. Or can we attract some of that top European talent to come over? Yeah, that makes a whole lot of sense. And yeah, absolutely. And, you know, go for broke. We talked in our last episode about how Michaela Grant Mentis, Mentis has set this huge bar, mm-hmm. but we might see somebody go over it this season. Lowballing your players just never works well. And I think that, uh, you know, it makes sense especially given the business decisions and whatnot that it takes to get sold. Um, But I wouldn't be surprised if we really see the white cap struggle uh, out of the gate next year because of this decision to like, Oh yeah, we're going to underprice our star players because that has the corollary to like a, how good of a team are you going to build around me? B, are you going to lowball me? You know, other prospective free agent, there's a lot of problems that start with lowballing your star players that we've seen in other leagues beforehand and in this league, you know, to certain extents before. Like, it, can't say that this is going to go well for Minnesota. And as the uh, the Whitecaps stand of the podcast, I'm a little little nervous by these decisions. Thankfully, you've got plenty of time for your lone Midwestern franchise to pick up the pace and you know, hopefully stop lowballing their stars and keep a couple of them. Yeah. You know, they, they got a long time to work on that stew there on the pot there. Men's hockey. Yeah. Is, is also a thing now. It's going on. They're trying it out. I would say it's, it's going uh, lukewarm <laughs> product on the ice. Great culture <laughs> or, around it. Horrid organization. Uh, so, so, but the conference finals are set and just started as of, taping of this we've just seen the uh insane horse race that was edmonton colorado game one uh can we just get more of that please because that was bonkers it harkens back to that first game of the florida tampa series last year Mm -hmm. where everybody was like your friends who don't know if they like hockey watch that that is like the best you'll see it this wasn't so much the best it, it was, was like just you chaos. look away and somebody has scored. Yeah. Kale McCarr su- scored nine seconds after Zach Hyman. <laughs> <laughs> like they ESPN, which has notoriously shitty highlight packages on their app. It's like, watch this 30 second ad for this 29 second clip. And it's like, <laughs> even they were able to show the transition from start to finish. <laughs> yeah. They could do a twofer. Um, the in the battle of mac versus mick uh it's hard not to see how mac will come out ahead but uh mick and co put together a pretty stellar effort i did not expect them to be able to put up seven goals on the avalanche well they didn't they put up six oh sorry (laughs) uh almost (laughs) they didn't kick the extra point a lot of the build-up to this series was like, oh, it's McDavid versus McKinnon. It's Dreisaitl versus McCarr. Mm-hmm. Blah, blah. And it's like, 
that's not the real actual battle i don't think i think the real battle is that bottom those bottom six forwards for each team Mm -hmm. and because there's plenty of star power to go around yeah uh and i'm gonna include zach hyman in that list because he scored six games in a row so let's just (laughs) give it to him um there's there's so much upper echelon talent on both teams that the stars almost like they matter obviously they're going to get all the the highlights and whatnot but it's i think whoever's like third pairing defense and bottom six for forward lines yeah play the best who scored the clincher in overtime for colorado in the last series fucking darren helm yes darren helm who half of everyone didn't realize was still in the nhl (laughs) yeah because they hadn't been watching red wings games for like three years which (laughs) understandable and then they watched this year to watch cider and realize that helm wasn't there jt comfer had a goal tonight miko rantanen who i'm yeah he's a star but he'd actually been playing really poorly Mm -hmm. in their last series he he got a goal tonight i mean who didn't score tonight i mean yeah uh, there were uh 14 goals scored you know like goaltending is optional if you saw the or uh, injured yeah that's true darcy kemper did leave with an injury which sucks but also uh name three words that go together worse than darcy kemper injured um freddie anderson injured oh yeah okay fine speaking of which (laughs) we'll come back to that for sure but if you had any guesses on like if mike smith was going to be good after letting in a 200 foot floater of a goal in the last series and then blaming his defenseman before it's like even out of the goal like (laughs) well that's continued and we saw him get yanked for a miko koskinen Mm -hmm. today that series it's gonna be insane (laughs) it already is especially if kemper is out for right not no discredit to pavel franco's but kemper's much better than him and so if he's out this game this series could be just horse race after horse race after horse race so yeah there's a definite chance that this takes a weird turn if kemper's hurt and Mm -hmm. franco's get hurt gets hurt but regardless it's gonna be bonkers and i can't wait because it's gonna be probably the exact opposite series as the east finals i predict between games three and four there to be an open tryout for any denver area natives uh to be the goaltender for the avalanche because <laughs> uh patrick Waugh just drunkenly stumbles <laughs> into the arena i'm a goaltender <laughs> patrick get out we fired you um <laughs> fuck patrick Waugh. um Speaking of the East, so New York just knocked off Carolina yesterday. They get the they fired Tony D'Angelo a second time, and because of their victory, their present, their gift is to um, play a well rested, fully Voltroned Tampa Bay Lightning. I feel bad for the Rangers. So, congratulations! Now you die. <laughs> It's weird to call him an X Factor because he's up for the Hart Trophy, but the X Factor is Igor Shesterkin. Oh, yeah. Shesterkin and Vasilevsky are probably the two best goalies on the planet right now. Seems to figure. Yeah, I don't know who you'd call, who you'd throw in that grouping. I think there's there's a chance that this series stays close because, because Shesterkin and Vasilevsky are like, trying to one-up one another in the i bet you didn't think i could do that sort of way (laughs) not in the what stupid goal can i let in but in the guess what i haven't given up a goal for like three months yeah we have (laughs) in one corner we have mike smith who gives up floaters from uh the other blue line and uh in the other corner we have the two best goalies in on the face of the planet like one just smiles and has to go ah nhl (laughs) Yeah, that's how this series stays interesting to me. Or close, I should say. Because otherwise, Tampa's in full Tampa mode. Yeah, right. Uh, I can feel like I can go out and make a prediction that we're not going to see like 14 goal games between the two of them. I think that is... Uh, 
you're you're tight roping across a pit of crocodiles, my friend. Yeah, right. That's, that's a dangerous prediction, uh, considering I think Florida scored three goals all of that series against Tampa. I think you're all right. <laughs> yeah, which I mean, Florida, the President's Trophy winning offensive juggernaut, and. That scored more goals than we had seen in like 25 years. Right. Uh, Tampa just said, no, sorry, take that elsewhere. It was legitimately like putting your hand on the forehead of your little brother. And they're just right. like swinging away. Claude Giroux is just swinging away. Right. And, and Kucherov's laughing in his face. Saying, ha ha, golfing time. Yeah. Golfed for you. Number one bullshit. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I don't really know that we're a predictions type of podcast but what i want to see is i want to see that colorado tampa series yeah we've been we've been looking for it for three years now and i think i think we're finally going to get it i don't see i don't see a multiverse universe in which new york beats tampa i'm sorry yeah it's hard to see that team performing the way it has for several series against Tampa. They've been, I mean, the Rangers have been really good. Adam Fox has been amazing. Jacob Truba has like a mind bending hit in each game. It's hard to see them getting that over on Tampa. I mean, maybe Artemi Panarin like shows up in a way that he hasn't so far in the playoffs. And maybe, you know, their offensive firepower can really start to keep pace, but it's really hard to see the Tampa defense really, I don't know, wearing down against them. I picked Tampa in five. Yeah, I think I said Tampa in six, and I was just trying to be nice (laughs) because I have some friends who are Rangers fans. I was like, no, no, it'll go six. No. (laughs) Sure. Sure, buddy. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, that uh, going to get some extra extra respect in that handshake line. Uh, Speaking of extra respect, TNT extra respect extra respect we have a full year just about of espn and tnt being the main carriers of hockey in the united states Mm -hmm. and um espn sucks (laughs) it's it's not so much that their coverage is bad it's just like the personalities that they have covering it uh, don't seem to fully get it it's just like it's like it's novel to them and so it feels kind of disjointed where like the tnt coverage feels laughable and and lived in it's a lot warmer there's a lot it's a lot more interesting it's really strange because espn has this great thing with college game day Mm -hmm. right it's everybody's having a good time they're cracking jokes they're like putting mascot heads on it's great and all of their other coverage sucks well that's because lee corso needs to be in bed by 3 p.m <laughs> that's fair but like it's like they're not even trying elsewhere no like, and like what the fuck is john butchagrass like i thought he was going to be involved in this hockey thing like he would be more interesting than the people that they have calling the game yeah. right now like it's a personality mismatch where i feel like tnt went after personalities that they thought could gel. And for the most part, they have. They've made Liam McHugh seem interesting. I mean, Liam McHugh was already one of the better parts of that failed NBC broadcast, and they've just kind of given him more reign. So I think that was a good decision. You know, Steve Levy is very solid host slash commentator slash ESPN personality. He's just kind of milk toast as, a, as an announcer. His job, though, is to like pull emotion and something out of sure. the folks on TV with him. And he's got Mark Messier and Chris Chelios. <laughs> Good fucking luck. Buddy. I don't think either of them have moved a muscle <laughs> no. on television. Mark Messier, Mark Messier's face barely moves yeah. when words come out of his mouth. It's as if a speech bubble comes out and he just stares at the camera and then you have to read the speech bubble. Right. It's absurd. It's so boring and, and fucking awful. What I'm kind of referring to is like when Steve Levy's actually calling the game, he still seems like enamored by the fact that there are people with knives on their feet playing a sport. <laughs> Which, like, <laughs> oh yeah, you see you see this guy here right here? He, he he's you know, he turns a corner and ooh, I couldn't do that. It, like it's it's got <laughs> it's got shades of fucking chance the rapper, you know, saying let's do that hockey. <laughs> TNT basically was like, 
hey, you know that NBA coverage we have that wins the sports Emmy every fucking year? Yeah. Why don't we just do that for hockey? And, like, they had some major wins, because I would have never predicted that, like, say, Wayne Gretzky had a personality. He's actually interesting. (laughs) I know. And we talked about this on this very podcast. We were like, oh, well, they paid all this money to Wayne Gretzky, and he's going to be boring. But he's not. Well, and I think a lot of it has to do with the production and, like, how they, they set things up, how, you know, people know what boundaries there are and aren't and like it's so much more free and i mean you could have known that it was going to be that way looking at their basketball broadcast i mean i hope it gets as weird as their basketball broadcast because that basketball broadcast can get real strange sometimes especially when they just like want excuses to use like special effects (laughs) at one point i watched them like turn it into a giant boat they had a giant green screen boat and all of them with like fishing gear. And it was like, I want to see Wayne Gretzky do this. <laughs> yeah. I, and you know, maybe as they get more comfortable, that mm-hmm. comes about. This is, again, this is the first season. So I think we probably haven't seen a lot of people kind of break out of their shell. You can tell Anson Carter is still on NBC occasionally because he's like, Oh, well, and then like Bissonette says something and he's like, oh, that's right. We're going to have fun. And so like, yeah, it, then it, he lets go. But like, there's just like these moments of tension. Well, Anson Carter has also sort of like stepped in it a little bit already since being on TNT. But yeah, it's really interesting to see Paul miss the net Bissonette play the role that he was sort of cast in. Yeah. I mean, as much as I hate everything else that he does, he's really good on TNT. He's really great. He's shockingly the driving force of that show and like they had him and gretzky on today Mm -hmm. because normally it's like one or the other or like gretzky comes and goes as he pleases sort Mm -hmm. of thing and which i mean okay yeah get it just Um, like zeus he's busy um but they had him and gretzky and i was like oh how is this gonna play and it was really good like bissonette was like turning to him and like pulling him into the conversations and like so was rick tockett who i thought was going to be super boring but is actually really interesting like in the middle of their set today rick tockett's like who's gonna win that car they're giving away a car and i was like what the fuck is going on here? turns out he can talk it yeah Ooh, yeah uh, <laughs> i mean so i can't imagine he's not coaching again next season with how, uh, I don't know. Oh, I, I'm sure this was like a one year. We know you're going back next season sort of thing. But he's been really great. They, I, I just think TNT kind of nailed it. Mm-hmm. And let's bring in the obvious factor here. They'll never be like the TNT basketball broadcast because who watches hockey? Crummy old white dudes. <laughs> and so right. the fact that they've gone this far despite knowing that their audience is crummy old white dudes is pretty brash in, in, in some ways. Mm -hmm. And so I, I really just, we're talking about this just basically to say, fuck yeah, TNT, keep it coming. They're doing a good job. Next year they get the cup. Okay. Broadcasts. And I'm really excited for it. Hopefully we see, ESPN pick their game up because mm. they've probably realized that they suck at this point. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe ESPN will just throw on the towel and go to the strip club. Oh, poor Panthers. Yeah, uh, that was a really funny side story is as the Panthers are losing, they're reportedly seen all out at the titty bar uh, late between game three and four. I can't imagine anything more adorable. Like I, I bet like Claude Giroux is still like prepared and everyone else is like, now nah, we can go see some titties. <laughs> Claude Giroux was at at the titty bar but had his ipad and was watching highlights (laughs) like somebody had stitched together that's that i would yes that's perfect um as we chuckle unfortunately the next bit is not chuckle worthy no uh it's more bad news from hockey culture and uh you know we only know that there's a matter of time between bad story and bad story but we got got hit with another one Uh, and this one is i mean they're all awful but this one is kind of like just like particularly egregious and terrible yeah especially given the timing and the fact that it just like many of these accusations um has sat for a long time and we're just now hearing about it so uh this was 
first reported by Rick Westhead for TSN, there was a lawsuit filed against Hockey Canada and the Canadian Hockey League and John Doe's one through eight, who are all reportedly members of the 2017-2018 Canadian World Cup of Hockey championship team, gold medal team. This lawsuit alleges or alleged it is now not a lawsuit but alleged that john doe's one through eight committed heinous sexual barbarism on a woman who was far too intoxicated to give actual consent in a hotel room in london ontario hockey canada was putting on a two-day kind of celebration of this team for winning the world uh world cup uh gold gotcha and in between nights one and two, this uh, young woman, who is now 24, went to a bar and throughout the night became very intoxicated and was then taken to a hotel room and savagely mistreated and raped by these eight players. If you want to read it, we're not going to go into the specifics of what happened, but the specifics are all in the lawsuit brief. Yeah, it's kind of amazing that you can do... You can file this so anonymously these days, uh, good for the lawyers and how they've handled it. I think absolutely what has sort of started and it's kind of weird is this like, I don't want to say witch hunt, but sort of like, that's a, I think that's a fair, you know, everyone's looking at this team roster and it's got current NHLers and, and everyone's like, okay, who were these eight players who was involved? And it's both strange and probably necessary it's nice to find out that Kale McCarr wasn't involved, like probably the biggest profile player of that team. Of um, which there are many high profile players. Yeah. Uh, him and a couple of other players, agents have come out and said, I have X, Y, or Z alibi. You know, I wasn't involved. And uh, hopefully for who we've heard from so far, those those hold up because you would hate to find out that your star player is involved in this. Like, that's the kind of thing that that ruins a fandom and and you know just attaches a, a level of shame to your sports viewing that no sports fan wants to have. So the the plaintiff has dropped the lawsuit for an unnamed settlement. She's doing what she can to stay anonymous. I hope that stays this way. One hundred percent. That roster is full of guys who have played in the NHL. According to Hockey Canada, the plaintiff wanted to keep the players anonymous and that's mm. why the suit was filed as such yeah that was a very uh interesting wrinkle so with that being said like we're obviously not going to speculate in any way shape or form no but uh, the media will yes run with this and and that will eventually come out i think to some extent and we'll deal with it when it comes out rick westhead once again has lit a fire under hockey culture's ass and a lot of people are going to have some explaining to do over the next couple of months and years it's kind of surprising that more players haven't come out and said that wasn't me i wasn't there well because i think a lot of them were at least nearby i mean you know the people that have come out and said yeah the people that come out and said i wasn't involved were like I was somewhere else. Yeah, I was somewhere else. Or, you know, Kale McCarr and Victor Mete, I think, are the two that come to mind. The NHL's open investigation. Hopefully they do better than their last one or all of their investigations. Because, I mean, to me, this kind of smacks of, like, the the Kyle Beach scandal, the taunting part. You know, Kyle Beach was being taunted by someone in practice. And, like, that it was an open secret and everyone knew and and that, like your favorite players were involved, mm-hmm. you know, sours you on, uh, on like your current and like past fandom in a way that just, it's hard to forgive a player or a team for. And, uh, yeah, I, I just empathize with the fans of certain players that are going to have to deal with, with the fall of grace or fall from grace that, that they're going to have to understand in the coming months. This needs to be a focus of leadership to remove it from the game. 
continually. You know, it, if you let young men feel like they're invincible sooner or later, you're going to have to deal with consequences. And there's got to be something that we can look at and do about it, whether it's, I don't know, training or monitoring or just like not giving people the position and authority with which to abuse others. We've got to be smarter about this. We got to find ways to be smarter about this. The biggest takeaway maybe I had from this was that when the uh, plaintiff declined to speak to police and press charges and declined to speak to the CHL or to Hockey Canada, Hockey Canada just kind of closed the book on it. Which is, I mean, that's a very smart play by the the accuser. Like, because that's how you don't get your identity leaked. Yeah. You play it really close to the chest. And if you go after a criminal conviction in a sexual assault case, you're, you're defining your life. You're going to get dragged through the mud. We've seen it time and time again. Your personal details are going to be litigated in front of everybody. Whereas if you just go after John Doe's and monetary damages and in a civil suit, you don't have to, I mean, A, deal with the public shame, and B, you have a lower evidentiary, evidentiary standard that is a lot more realistic to meet in these very, very difficult to litigate situations. I guess what I was trying to get across is that Hockey Canada didn't fucking follow up. The motivation on their part would be not to. Which makes it all the more important for them to have done that investigation. And And we talk about cultural indictments, and that's exactly it. It's the organizations that are in power aren't doing their job because to do their job would be to make themselves look bad. And that's part of what's wrong with hockey culture. And I mean, culture in general at this point is, is you have these powerful organizations that have it so much more motivating to, to not look bad as opposed to do the right thing. And what we're noticing now, especially with the fallout from the Kyle beach sexual assault is that if you do the right thing in the beginning yeah, there might be some negative ramifications at that moment. But in the end, the the public perception is, oh, remember when they could have done the wrong thing, but they mm-hmm. did the right thing? It sucks that that happened. Mm-hmm. But look at how they did the right thing. Yeah, and now so many pe- less people are complicit. And now look at the fallout of that. Mm-hmm. Joel Quenville doesn't have a job. Stan Bowman shouldn't have a job. Uh, like. A bunch of people had negative fallout from that. Yeah, because they let it go and got other people abused by not doing the right thing and coming forward. Exactly. And so what I hope the takeaway from this is for these folks who are in power is, yeah, it might it might smear today if you do the right thing, but it doesn't have to besmirch an entire era. And so just like the 2010 Stanley cup is, is besmirched by this Mm -hmm. Kyle beach incident. Now this gold medal is besmirched by this incident for team Canada. So just, just fucking do the right thing. And it honestly, it might suck in the short term, but it's better in the long term, both for, everyone involved and your own fucking conscience like yeah and from there you know we can pretty easily pivot to the other really stupid sad cultural indictment news of the day is that uh mitchell miller a year removed from being exposed as a racist predator of uh, another child in school was named usahl player of the year showing that Hockey really doesn't have a conscience, and this culture is really willing to forget anything that is convenient to forget. And I think we said when this all came out that we believe that people deserve second chances. Sure. As long as there's acts of contrition 
mm-hmm. and there's actual tangible growth mm-hmm. in a person. And and we didn't get that from him. We got like doubling down and lying and uh, a bunch of, you know, parents trying to throw a smoke screen. I don't think he ever really truly fessed up for what he did, which was getting a disabled black child to eat urinal cake and terrorizing him in his middle school. When we talk about things that are broken and wrong in hockey culture, like this is exactly what we're doing. And it's not like you can throw an asterisk on these guys and say, okay, you know, now you can't, you can play, but you can't win any awards or something like this is sort of bound to come up, but this is a consequence of letting somebody play when they haven't really been contrite. You kind of can, you can be like, well, Mitchell Miller is probably the number one candidate, but he's also a fucking asshole. You can't find anybody else in the USHL to like give this award to. And I don't know the USHL, but I've seen writing and which has suggested uh, they're actually more deserving candidates. You know, this guy maybe had a good year statistically, but there were a bunch of other forwards that they probably could have handed it to. My cynical brain says old white men wanted to help him in a redemption arc. Analytical brain says, yeah, the same thing. Somewhere Don Cherry is just like flexing in a mirror. Right. And did he have a good season? Sure. To put him as the face of a junior league so quickly after what he did to someone came out. We see players get, you know, unawarded awards for less all the time. So I don't know. It's just smacks of smacks of someone pulling for him for like behind the scene and smacks of the fact that I don't know, hockey just can't let us have anything nice ever. There are other ways to handle this and this wasn't it. Speaking of other ways to handle it, but this not being it, Jordan Peterson Bennington confirmed that it was him that uh, chucked a water bottle at Nazem Kadri after Nazem Kadri was involved in a collision that led to Jordan Bennington leaving the game. We all kind of, uh, Nazem Kadri said like, yeah, I thought it was him. And we all kind of knew like, okay, yeah, it was totally fucking Jordan Bennington. Like the guy that swings his stick at other people and, uh, you know, tries to act like a little piss baby on the ice. Uh, yeah, of course it was him that chucked an empty water bottle at Nazem Kadri. And he came out with the fucking lamest excuse ever, which was A, I couldn't find a recycling bin. And B, felt it was a God-given opportunity to be an asswipe. <laughs> I don't know. Am I the only person who finds that to be like racially and ideologically insensitive? It's nothing new from Jordan Bennington. I, well, like, I think it's more just stands, right? Like, I think it was just shithead competitiveness. Like, I don't think, I think he threw a water bottle at Nazem Kadri thinking of him as opposing hockey player and not man of color that would be maybe a charitable reading right um, he's also now had a number like at least a week and a half to think about his response to this mm-hmm. and his response is that he as a christian had the god-given opportunity to throw a water bottle at a <laughs> muslim man <laughs> uh, at least he didn't pee in it first uh, i mean that's a really fucking low bar <laughs> right <laughs> like, i know uh, Leave it to Jordan Bennington to single-handedly get me to stop rooting for a team I was sort of rooting for. Yeah, I guess we didn't really touch on this all that much, I think, because it happened after we recorded last time. Yeah, and because he got, you know, drugged through the shit for it, too, yeah. already by plenty of other people than us. I just want to say a hug and a blown kiss to Nazem Kadri's wife Oh yeah, for using their cat's Instagram to post actual threats and comments that Blues fans sent Nazem Kadri's way with their names attached. People coming out of the woodwork to yell at the, uh, the, the hockey people of color. What else is new? God damn it, hockey. Like, stop this shit. You're the worst. <laughs> I love you, but you're the worst. <sighs> yeah. Uh, that. I love your on-ice product. Let's just say that. This is fucking terrible and just like the gall with that he was like oh yeah I, there's a safe space now i can cop to throw in the water bottle i said this in our slack thread 
former host of this said podcast, Rob brought up, you know, that he thought every fan base in hockey or for any sports team in general probably would have done the same thing and that there are shitheads for every fan base. I mean, to a certain degree, there's not a shithead that does the action of throwing the water bottle on every team. Right. Uh, Like we knew that Jordan Bennington was already sort of a classless piss baby and he lived up to the billing this year. You're welcome for piss baby, by the way. Oh yeah. It's great, isn't it? it, It's the gift that keeps on giving. Uh, I, well, my counter argument to Rob was that, and not argument, but counterpoint was that, yes, there's probably some asshole racist fuckwad on every single fan base for every single sports team in the world, let Mm -hmm. alone just American sports. The point is St. Louis is the one that showed their ass. Yeah. And also maybe there's a higher concentration of them next to Missouri, Uh, but, uh, but I don't know. Maybe that's just my uh, uh, Illinois hatred. This is the uh, backfiring of the Missouri compromise. (laughs) Yeah. You didn't actually want Missouri. Yeah. We can just like X out Missouri on the (laughs) map. Right. I mean, this is misery. Yeah, the state's name is to be sad and in a woeful state. <laughs> I agree that every fan base has these people, but at the same time, St. Louis is the one that proved it. And because mm-hmm. of that, you draw the ire of the rest of hockey fandom. Yeah. And because of that, everybody was rooting for you to fucking lose. And they drew the ire of the hockey gods who smote them with the hand of the Colorado Avalanche. Yay, he giveth and yay, he taketh away. He taketh away Jason Spezza, apparently. We pivot from classless to epitome of class. Uh, Jason Spezza has announced his retirement uh, effective immediately, and he is going to join the Toronto front office, which he may or may not have already sort of been a part of already. Notable is that a he had an incredibly productive career. 995 career points. Probably would have gotten over 1,000 if Mike Babcock hadn't scratched his ass for way too long. Also notable is that Spetz's low cap hit over the past year basically allowed the team to bring in Mark Giordano, who made their playoff run all the more real and already signed for like 800k. Yeah, the league minimum for 2 years. <laughs> you can tell that their team is going to run it back next year and they're trying to find ways to, to make more creative investments in their players. And and you, you know that Jason Spetz is going to be a really, really interesting, you know, either front office or coach or, you know, I think he's the assistant to the GM. Yeah. Is what he was named. But I mean, hard not to see him have like a closer to the ice presence, you know, I don't know. It, it'd be interesting to see exactly what he does next year. But when you trust a player like that, thoroughly already why not just have him step upstairs so congratulations to jason spezza the last of the uh the spezza heatley alfredson line uh that was so good long time ago to retire i guarantee he'll be better than pierre mcguire oh god also happening uh alexander radulov has decided to take his talents all the way back to Mother Russia. Which was sort of expected. Uh, he doesn't have contract left, right? He's done. Yeah, he's done. So this was kind of predicted, but uh, sayonara. It was good while it lasted. Additionally, the stars are not bringing back Rick Bonus on another contract. Also fairly expected. Attached to them in negotiations and, and feelers, along with Everybody else in the league is uh, Barry Trotz, who would be an amazing fit for the stars in the way they play already. Um, but he's also interviewed a lot of other places, namely Detroit. Uh They had discussions. It's, okay. It wasn't a formal interview. So uh, just like interview heard. with coffee. Yeah. Barry Trotz did talk about the job in Detroit. He's definitely talked about the gig in Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. and which was, would be a close to home yeah it's basically a homecoming for him the coaching carousel is always kind of interesting but more interesting when barry trotz is on it yeah and also there's a, just a lot of talk about new blood potentially mm-hmm. coming into the league sure everybody wants themselves a uh 
the next uh, the next Jared John, Bednar, the next John Cooper. The, I mean, yeah. You know. Who's who's coaching at Lansing Catholic Central right now? Just bring him <laughs> up. Uh, speaking of uh, bringing people up, uh, Megan Duggan was promoted to the Devils, the New Jersey Devils director of player personnel. That's huge. It's another non-white man voice mm-hmm. in the upper echelons of a very white man sport. And for that, huzzah. I mean, she's got the bona fides. She was a dominant player like... You know, you can't argue with that on a staff, and apparently she's done enough to prove herself uh, worthy of a really, really amazing new job title. So congrats to Megan Duggan. Uh, We've been following her second stage of her career since she retired, and hats off to her. New Jersey is going to be a really, really interesting team moving forward, similar to the Panthers in that they're going to score a lot and maybe try and keep some goals out of their net. And uh, it's going to be really interesting to watch the product on ice with her hands on it going forward. Keeping it with women in hockey, but moving it to women's hockey to finish this out. Oh, gosh. Oh, if there hadn't been one more thing we were going to talk about before I said finish this off. Oh, opportunity missed. Anyways, so Angela James has been officially named the GM of the Toronto Six. Uh, she is part of the ownership group. It had been announced slash kind of like assumed that mm-hmm. she was going to be the GM. That's official now. She's making signings. She got Elaine Chuli to resign. Cheyenne D'Arcangelo building herself a, uh, a a team that can hopefully make another run at a title. She put it on her LinkedIn. If that's the case, then you GM know it's of official. Toronto Six. It, is LinkedIn official the professional version of facebook official with relationships oh yeah from like 12 know. years yeah, ago yeah. right yeah it's like elite prospects official <laughs> and finally to finish it off i hate myself you Finland. mean that script i made in the, or you mean that joke i made in the script yeah but <laughs> i said it on air the Finns, finland uh, not the dolphins not not the dolphins <laughs> i speak to the dolphins um yes not the dolphins uh, or the miami football franchise Uh, The nation of Finland and their men's hockey team has won the gold at the IIHF World Championships, most notably because it's just another team joining the like power hockey echelon. Mm -hmm. Canada, Sweden, Russia, the U.S. Beat beat Canada to win the game. Also notable was that... uh, Valtteri Filppula was on the team and so he is now there's like only a handful of Red Wings mm-hmm. who have done this who have won I think it's a Stanley Cup oh a, a world, world championship and then a world juniors championship maybe is no the third one? I thought it was Olympic gold Olympic gold sure maybe yeah I, sure. I, I, I think oh yeah Finland won the gold this year didn't they right I think it's I think it's three golds or I don't I, or I, yeah well this joke fizzled out. Anyways, <laughs> the uh, P- the prime minister of Finland was seen like drinking a rather robust glass of wine and cheering on her team. This is not the first time that the Finnish PM has been at sporting events mm-hmm. and really enjoying herself. Yeah. Also, she's uh, like really gorgeous. So it's just like, oh, this this hot person with wine has power. Yeah. So it's like Finland or joe biden <laughs> and in the in the middle Finland. in the or middle Donald you Trump. have trudeau like but yeah her cheering on her team's overtime victory over canada with a, an empty glass of wine uh was it was just a mood and it was cool to see and it was fun to unite uh all of hockey watchers everywhere for a minute <laughs> and with that we shall finish Thanks for listening, everybody. We are on a rather sporadic, maybe every two weeks sort of publishing schedule at this point. It's the summer, and that's when Portland becomes fun, so it'll probably (laughs) stay a little bit sporadic. But thank you to everyone who listens. We really appreciate you. And shout out to Jenna Trubiano, also known as JTribs14 on Twitter. Uh, she is the head coach of the University of Michigan women's hockey ice hockey team. They are a club team. They need to be a full varsity team. It's absurd that the University of Michigan does not have a women's hockey team as a varsity team. 
Uh, shout out to her. She f- followed us on Twitter the other day. We had a very brief Go Blue conversation. And let's get those ladies uh, what they deserve, which is a full varsity squad and make it real. Uh, Can't agree more. Ohio State just won the national title. Balls in your court, U of M. <laughs> or pucks on your ice, U of M. Yeah. Make it fucking happen. When you have a Go Blue conversation, do you just say Go Blue back and forth like six times? Yeah, something like that. Nice. Yeah. Nothing else needs to be said. It's just understood. <laughs> True story. I have a book that my grandfather had. It's like all cartoons and about like Beauchamp Beckler. And on <laughs> the cover, it's from the view of a car looking out through the through the windshield. And there's a nuclear blast going on. And the man who is driving it, this is like the 60s so or 70s sure, yeah, yeah. Uh, but like the man who is driving is saying of course they're gonna still play the game <laughs> and uh it's i'll bring it over someday it's pretty fucking brilliant that sounds hilarious yeah. but anyways uh thank you <laughs> thank you jenna trubiano for uh joining our ranks on twitter thank you to all of you for listening you can find us on the internets, uh, handsomehockey.com is our website. Handsome Hockey Podcast on the Instagrams. At Handsome Hockey on Twitter, which is probably where we're the most active. HandsomeHockeyPod at gmail.com. If your fingers need to type us a very long message, that's where you'll send it. And finally, we do have a Handsome Hockey Facebook page. Join the conversation there. Yeah, thanks for listening. We will talk to you soon. This will probably come out. Uh, sometime around after game one of the Tampa New York series. So, so you can just see all the ways that we were wrong. Yeah. Uh, watch it be like seven to two New York. And we're just like, Oh my God. Can I edit that part out? <laughs> but we will see. We'll fuck off there. There they go. Yeah. It wasn't Mustang man. No, he must not a Mustang man must not have caught on that. We were, we were recording tonight. <laughs> uh, anyways, Sorry about the uh, traffic in the background. Not sorry, but uh, stay handsome, everybody. Restez beau, tous les mains.